You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You smell it, boys. It's in the air. Hockey is back this weekend. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? It's Offside Hockey Talk in your ears. And if you're watching live, well, in your eyeballs, I guess, as well. We're proudly brought to you by Boxing Rock Brewing Co.'s Puck Off Lagerdale, the absolute big beer for the big game. And tonight, well, we had to have a big guest on because he's a huge Elite fan. He is all over the Internet. He's Mr. D4, Dylan Fournier. Dylan, how's it going? Hey, what's going on? Dylan is a big, big deal. Ah, not that big. <laughs> hey, listen, at least his mom says so, and that's all that matters. Yep. That's very Special boy. The, the man that's with us tonight is Mr. Clark Monroe. Obviously, you, the SJHL is popping off right now. You can watch Ooh. every different thing happen with the SJHL, whether it's live shows, they're talking in the rink, outside the rink, before the game, after the game, and they're talking to everybody within the league. Absolutely beautiful to see the SJHL blowing up like that. Clark, before we jump into some Leafs talk and all that stuff, what got you into the SJHL? What got IKS Media in there? You guys are popping off with this. It's awesome. I love seeing it. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a blast. So first of all, um, I actually got my start in the SJHL. Like That was my first job uh, with the SFM Bruins. Um, I actually still have a jersey. I won't bring it out, though, because it's a Bruins jersey. So I'll leave it in the closet for now. Uh, but I got my start there right out of college, was there for a couple of years. So I always, I've always had a, a bit of a uh, soft spot for, for the SJ. Um, and just so be it, uh, they were looking for a media company to kind of take over some operations for them. And um, I work for a media company now. So it worked out um, in the sense that a good buddy of mine, Jeremy Corrigan, who was the voice of the Bruins uh, when I was there, uh, very passionate about the SJHL. Uh, he was actually um kind of considering a, a career switch and uh i i chatted with them several times over the course of uh, i'm gonna say a month and a half or so and kind of just like saw if he was interested and said hey this might be happening and he was like yeah keep me in the loop keep me in the loop i'll be interested and uh it kind of opened up and and i was like jeremy we need you for this um you're perfect for it and he's like let's do it so he jumped on and it, he was really the key to all of it happening in the first place uh, and you'll see his face a lot more than mine when it comes to the the SJ stuff because he's the uh, he's our Ron McLean uh, for so to speak. <laughs> but um, but IKS was looking for a chance to kind of get their hands around uh, a hockey league uh, altogether, and we get to um, shed some light on an underserved, I think, league 
in terms of, you know, some really hungry fan bases around this province. And you guys know, you guys are from, you know, areas where there's rural cities with junior hockey teams and uh, how much those teams mean to the communities. And we're just trying to shed some light on that and, you know, maybe pump it up a little bit more than they've, they're probably used to. We, we, they've had a show uh, for a couple of years now, but we've, uh, not only to our, you know, I believe we've pumped it up a little bit on the Mondays, uh, the Monday live show, but we have also added a Thursday show. And uh, it's been a ton of fun for me to just dive right back into that league because it is my brother played in that league. I worked in that league. Uh, and, you know, it, it means a lot to me and, and everybody that I, I've kind of met along the way. So it was, it's really good to get into that. And I get to be back on the air again because I haven't been on, you know, full time on the air since the squad cast ended. So uh, it's been a lot of fun to, you know, get back onto a show full time as well once a week and kind of spread my wings again. But here we are tonight. I'm excited to also be here. So thank you guys for having me. <laughs> no, man, Clark, you're part of the family, man. You're part of the furniture. So, you know, go grab your own drink <laughs> right, out the right. cupboard. I'm not serving you no more. Um, but, you know, I want to talk about that right off the hop because it is special. I mean, yeah. you know, junior hockey doesn't really get the representation that it should get outside of the the bigger leagues like the Q, the O. You know, in the W, those those leagues get their their shine, but out here, like the NSJHL, which is our junior league to your guys' junior league, you know, it's the same thing. It doesn't get the same shine. So I love to see that happening. I got my toe in the water with the Colarpa Colts. Also did stuff with the OJHL with the Markham Royals. So I know all about that. That's how I met Jamie, Mister Nugzi. I uh, love him. So you know, I, I know a few of the ins and outs of where you're at too. So it's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, no man, I had to touch on that because I saw you on there and I was like, man, that's freaking cool. Look at Clark go. Yeah, Look at and you. you know what's it's great because we have so many resources available to us and we're like just getting started and we've heard from so many fans and and you know teams that hey, this is this is really great coverage so far and we're like we haven't even started yet. Like just wait, we're not even <laughs> we're not even close to done. We have so many more ideas. So uh, keep an eye on it if you guys don't mind. I know a lot of our the viewers here are probably from Ontario or the Eastern provinces so uh i know it spreads farther than that but if you don't mind going over to the sjhl and dropping a follow on the twitter page and everywhere else facebook instagram youtube uh we're trying to grow their youtube channel a little bit as well um yeah that'd be great but it, it's a ton of fun and i'm just really pumped that uh, we get to help those guys out don't worry we'll make a little clip of it and put it up there and tag the shit out of it like we always do yeah, um, sure. Now, this is the fun part where we get to do a hard turn and say this is not going to be fun for anyone listening. So uh, sensitivity warning right here. Uh, we're going to talk about the Hockey Canada stuff right quick. Um, to me, i got to say this right out the gate. I think Hockey Canada should be done. Um, really think that this organization should disband one way or another. I know another organization would have to form to be a governing body to take it over. But the stain on Hockey Canada is one that is way too big. And we talked about this before we came on, but the bravado that Hockey Canada is showing here, um, saying, you know, you're using us as a scapegoat. Other people do this. You know, we're not that bad. We still have good core values. Well, no, you don't. You're sorry you don't. And to allow a person who is in the center of this to dole out the gold medals to the women's hockey team, you know, and not have that person on the sidelines – and not have the foresight to see the problem that that would cause. Really, to me, just, I don't get it. And I'm liking to see what I'm seeing with provinces now backing out of dropping the funds towards Hockey Canada. Tim Hortons has now pulled their sponsorship. Others are threatening as well. And I'll say this, it sucks as all hell because I'm going to be credited 
with media access to go watch the World Juniors. And it's probably the worst year to do it because of now what's happening. But I really, in my heart of hearts, Clark and Dylan, think that something needs to change here. The rot needs to be cut out. It needs to be gutted and fixed. And I don't think you can do it as Hockey Canada. I just don't think you can. Because they don't seem to get between the ears what the problem is. They don't see what's so obvious in front of them. And that, to me, just boggles my mind, for one. And two, as a father, Clark, you can attest to this. You know, the thought of something happening to your daughter and everyone kind of just sweeping under the rug as, ah, just hockey guys being hockey guys. Shit happens. Let's keep going. That doesn't work for me. It really turns me off of the whole thing. You know, and I just, I don't understand how you can be so short-sighted and just say, well, no, everybody does it, so we're okay. Yeah. It makes me sick. There's a lot to it, and I'm going to even take it a step further with with how some of the provinces now are handling it. Not only uh, did Quebec pull their funding and stuff or whatever from Hockey Canada, but they went as far as to put a no confidence on that. They they called it a no confidence move, uh, which really speaks volumes and uh, kind of kudos to Quebec for doing it that way, rather than just saying, "Hey, we're not going to give you our players uh, fees." Um, they went out and said, "We have no confidence in Hockey Canada," which is a strong statement um, for them to make. So, again, kudos to them for that and. Tim Hortons pulling their funding. I mean, that's not a small feat. Like, that's a big deal. Um, And it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, Hockey Canada has been such a staple for so many years. Can they just, like, close that down and start something new, start a new governing body? Or is it going to be enough in people's minds to just add new people and remove old people from their posts? Um, It's... It's, it's going to be a very interesting, this is going to be a year or two years or three year thing. Like this isn't just going to be something that, you know, gets fixed before Christmas. Uh, so this is going to be something that's gonna, probably going to be dragged out. And there's going to be a lot of things that we probably haven't heard about that are going to be found out. Like we're going to hear more stories like the ones that we've already heard. Those are going to come out. Um, this I don't think this is over yet. And it's just super unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, like you said, uh, if, if I was the parent of, some of the people that were wronged by some of the things that happened and it was, you know, essentially thrown away. Um, it wouldn't sit right with me at all. And no. I don't know if people are, are, I think people are starting to come around to that line of thinking. Cause I obviously with how it's being handled in the media right now, hockey Canada's reps, you know, those people that are getting basically investigated. Yeah. Um, they, like you said, I feel like they aren't, getting it uh they're playing the victim i feel like that's exactly what they're doing a hundred percent it's it's kind of backwards to me i don't quite understand how and the girl's name is andrea skinner who if you just google it or or search on twitter andrea i think it's andrea skinner um you'll see some quotes that you just have to read like three or four times to kind of fully is did she actually say that and then you have to there's video clips of it too like it doesn't seem like they think that they should be getting all the flack that they're getting and it's like okay i don't you guys need to like like recheck yourselves in the mirror here like i don't know i'm not too sure what hockey canada is trying to do i think they're trying to deflect a lot of stuff that they maybe aren't ready to admit and uh I, yeah 
it's, it's clean house time. Um, I'm not too sure why it hasn't happened yet. I think everyone's just trying to fend for themselves at the moment and yeah. uh, they need to maybe be the bigger people and maybe there needs to be some people just step down and realize that they're in the wrong. And I just don't see that happening anytime soon, but, no. but yeah, it's I, mean, a I, I agree with you. These, these people aren't going to step down. They're, no. they're trying to wait for this to blow over is what they're trying to wait for. And unfortunately, if this... and in fairness, James, in fairness, yep. For years, it usually does. It, it usually does, does yep. blow over. So this one will they're go. probably just this thinking this will, will be. Not. No, I don't think it will. And I think they're still in the mindset that you know this will be just like one of those other ones that we've dealt with, and it'll just go away once hockey starts up and people start watching again. They'll just start thinking about hockey again and not us. Um, so it, I guess in in a way, I I think we all have to challenge ourselves as hockey lovers in this country because we all are most of us, anyways, um, to not let this one get. No. brushed aside. I think we have to put more pressure on and keep it going. To okay, kudos extent. to guys like Rick West had for keeping it going, by the way, because right. as soon as you go to, I don't know, backburner rate or not think about it, you know, he makes sure to dredge up something to show everyone the receipts and show everyone this is still what's going on. So it's not gone away. It's not over, yeah. you know, and they're still really just disgustingly not seeing the full picture here. So yeah, I love exactly. the fact that he does that. Yeah. Dylan, what do you think? I know I know this is not something you like to talk about, but with it being what it is, it has to be talked about uh, before um, we get into anything else right quick. Obviously, it's, it's no joking matter to begin with. Um, obviously, there's been way too many things swept under the rug for way too long, and I think it's about time that people step down. Obviously, there's going to be some kicking and screaming along the way to try and, you know, have them stay there. But uh, I don't know how it will happen, how the change will happen if they step down and people step up. Um, I think my only problem is how do you how do you choose those right people to take over or to form a group? Um I don't know. I, I think it's some disgusting, disgusting stuff that has happened over the past while and uh, things need to change. And I think it's right for Tim Hortons, Quebec and all, all the other provinces to, you know, say, we don't want any part of this. We don't want any part of your disgusting culture. We're going to move on and go and support whoever takes over and we follow we think that we should follow their guidelines and not yours. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the only way you can look at it is that way. Hopefully, the right decisions are made. Things get on track to where they need to be. You can bring back sponsors and bring back people. When you start to show the receipts of what you put in place and to repair the damage, but before you can repair the damage, you have to allow all of the damage to come to the forefront. Because now you have the Band-Aid ripped off of 03 right here in Halifax, where I am. You have the one that happened in London at that golf tournament. Okay? There's more. There is obviously more. There is more that needs to come out before you can begin to heal. So stop hiding things. Stop standing behind your shield and saying, you know, we're good. Our core values are good. Our people are good. Our processes are good. No, you paid people to shut the hell up. You gave people money to go away. That doesn't fix it. That doesn't make it better, and that doesn't make you better because you shut somebody up. So now voices are being heard. So 
gonna leave it at that because obviously I'm gonna, I'm gonna get turned up here and we're gonna have some fun, you know, ripping somebody a new new one. But anyways, that's what I have to say about the Hockey Canada stuff. Uh, disgusting, just disgusting. I want it to change. Hopefully it does. And you know, again, this is not a shot across the bow at anybody who's gonna wear that leaf coming up. But for God's sakes, if you're gonna wear that jersey and represent your country, be every bit of the person you should be be a decent human being, which is the lowest bar possible. Yeah. But if you see somebody else being a scummy little shit, then call them out on it and make sure you blast it. So that person can't be around no more. Cause that's what you need yeah. to do. If you want to root it out, root the people out that are doing it. That's the easiest way to do it. But we'll swerve to Gravenhurst where the Toronto Maple Leafs are the absolute biggest hard turn you'll ever have here. And we'll, uh, we'll throw it up to, uh, there you go. The round and round you go. Mr. Clark, um, you know, you look at Mitch Marner and you look at Austin Matthews today. I mean, I don't know if I was watching an episode of Spit and Chicklets or if I was watching the Leafs coming into Gravenhurst. The thing, I will tell you this, everything looks good with these guys. Everybody oh. looks comfortable. Everybody looks happy, which is something you want out of this team, obviously. One thing I did take away, and I, I got a lot of bullet points we got to get to here with the Maple Leafs, but one thing I took away is Jack Hahn, someone you've spoken with, Clark, um, and the music aspect in practice. He ripped it to shreds today, saying that it would be distracting. Uh, you know, it wouldn't allow for a good feel for the coaches, constantly have to listen to guys bitch and moan about different music and just the way things go down in practice. You know, obviously not everybody likes the same stuff, et cetera, et cetera. I want to get your guys' take on this because I have my own opinion. I think when I have music around, I feel better, I work better, I vibe better. It doesn't care what kind it is. As long as there's a rhythm to work to, I'm good. I like it. I hate the silence. It breaks up the monotony. But what do you guys think? I'll go with you, Dylan, first. Music and practice, hindrance oh. or benefit? Oh, buddy, it's a total benefit. I was working yesterday alone for, you know. Silly, buddy. And I was I was belching the house to myself, just belching to all my favorite music. So, you know, I uh, it's a it's a good thing. It's 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 a solid. I gotta ask your choice of word there for a second. Belching, <laughs> belching to me. I thought it belching was out all the burping. words. So, <clears throat> I, I burping. No, no. But no. I mean, if you're belching your favorite song, whatever you need to do. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> Some people think that's a talent. It makes that me, is. it makes me move. It makes, you know, it makes the work get done. Not going to lie. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. I'm hundred percent with you. I don't belch but, myself, but I, I'll sing <laughs> and dance and have fun. Uh, Clark, what about you? Are you belching your favorite song to get motivated or what? Every day. Um, no. So I, I, uh, I've heard some mixed things on this. I think it's a personal preference type deal. Um, I don't, I wouldn't go as far to if a team decides to belt some music, belt some music during practice uh that it's a hindrance or whatever to me i think when you're playing a game in the nhl it's when you're skating around it's loud it's the crowd is loud the atmosphere is loud uh so i think if you can get used to that and start working on skills while it's loud it doesn't yeah. hurt you um it might actually be a little bit of a thing that uh benefits you like i think of uh football teams when they're going into a loud building they'll play really loud crowd noise during practice uh, now, obviously, when the coach is explaining stuff, they turn that down, get the coach's explanation, and then go into their drills or then go into uh, practicing their plays or whatever it is. So 
I think uh, I have to see what Jack said because I'm not sure what Jack actually like the exact words he chose to use to rip this apart. But um, <laughs> I, I know that there's some junior hockey teams that are starting to do this more often. Um, for example, uh, we were doing a show for the Rod Peterson show uh, in Estevan during the Centennial Cup, which is the national championship for junior A hockey. Uh, and the Brooks Bandits were practicing. They're one of the best teams in the country and they were blasting music their entire practice. So um, I think they ended up winning the tournament overall. So, I mean, to each their own, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, I don't know if they, if they want to play music and, and change it up a little bit, Hey, maybe they haven't been playing music for the last 15 years and they haven't made it to the second round of the playoffs. So maybe Ooh. this is the thing they've needed Ooh. to get to the second round. Who knows? We'll see. But I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Really. All right. Let's, so we don't uh, mess with Jack. Cause obviously we'd love to have him on sometime. So I have to, I have to go read what Jack said. Cause maybe he has, I'm, I'm going to read it verbatim right here. Right okay. Through, okay. This right here. Sheldon Keefe introduced music at my practice the year we were together. From my perspective, oh, okay. a counterproductive move. Disruptive for staff, having to set up and make it make sure it worked versus advancing other essential tasks. Uh, primes players to complain. Not everyone likes the same tunes. Uh, talks about soccer teams uh, doing it for penalty-taking routine, fake hostile crowd noise. Uh, he said that's the other side of the spectrum. He said players vibing while going through easy flow drills doesn't lend itself to high game performance. Okay. I know like Jack has a different mind. So, I mean, I will trust him on that. I, I, I don't think he's wrong in anything that he said there. Uh, but I'd have to, I think we have to talk to this individual group and if they all like it and there's no complaints, then who are we to say yes or no to that? I mean, it's their decision oh, no, overall. I, so I mean, it takes uh, one if John, person's perspective, I just, I like reading his stuff. So to see that today, yeah. like, all right, all right. And yeah. speaking if John Tavares as captain is going to go out and say, this is okay. If captain serious, Johnny T is going to say, this is okay. Uh, then I think we're, we're okay here. <laughs> they actually asked this question of all the Leafs players uh, oh, yeah. during the beginning of camp about the music in there. And uh, I can explicitly remember uh, Nick Robertson saying he loved it. He loved the fact that instead of just hearing the pucks hit the glass and the dasher boards or the boards crattling with people getting hit, you're hearing music. You're, you're, yeah. You know, allowed to try to think about what's going on. Um, but some good news out of Leafland, guys. I mean, Rasmus Sandin, hello, the Sandman himself, finally gets signed. He's in practice. He's in Gravenhurst. He's going to play thir- uh, Friday and Saturday, um, teaming up with Mark Giordano, uh, Timothy Lilligren's old partner. And Timothy Lilligren, by the way, already back on the ice after his surgery, trying to uh, speed up that recovery a little. Um, what do we think of the deal? Obviously, we all know um, the Leafs weren't budging off the 1.4. Uh, it was a two-year deal, 1.4 per year. Um, Timothy Lilligren signed the same thing. The Leafs said, take it or leave it. We don't really need you. You know, Otherwise, we can go find somebody else. And I know they had the injuries, but there were plenty of players on PTO the Leafs were looking at. Funny that all of those teams when the Leafs had those injuries signed their PTO guys like that. Everybody was off the board. But Rasmus Sandin put on his superhero cape and said, I can't let my guys be hung out to dry here. I got to get to camp and I got to pick it up for my team and be a real good teammate here. Clark, what do you think of the Sandman? And I still got to say, man, I told you we'd get done by Friday. Yeah, but you were off on the number. So therefore, it doesn't matter. You, were, <laughs> you weren't right. 200K. <laughs> 200K is not bad. <laughs> um i i think it's great uh like i said i think 
we were on the kind of the same page that it was probably going to get done. Uh, he's a younger guy. It won't take him too long to get back into the groove of things, I don't think. Uh, and to put him with a guy like Gio, if that's going to be where he starts the season, it just takes that much more pressure off of him to kind of get his groove back too because he's got that steady Eddie beside him uh, who can handle all the all the tough stuff and just let him kind of get his feet back under him, get his timing back. Uh, but, yeah, David Alter tweeted the lines today. I think a couple other guys did too. There's like eight guys that tweet lines, and I love it. Lines are my favorite thing. Uh, and so it's Riley, Brody, Muzzin, Hall, Gio, Sandine. Um, I, I was thinking about how it would be different when Lily gets back, and maybe this is another episode or just another question in this episode, but um, it's it's going to be a good year, and I just I feel like uh, people are going to fall in love with the Muzz and Hall pairing again. Um, I, I It's too bad that your boy Jordy Ben got hurt because I know you were really looking forward to that, James. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I beat that drum because it was so true. Seeing yeah. Muzz get hurt, I was like, yeah. listen, this guy is your penalty kill specialist. He's not Muzzin IQ-wise, but he will do what you need him to do physically. And then he blows his groin because he was just so excited. <laughs> he was so excited. Uh, but, uh, you know, Victor Mete, we'll see what he can do. Maybe, you know, he's the eighth guy. So um, I'm not I'm not too hurt by the fact that he's the eighth guy. Uh, and I really liked the news report that came out that said that they were looking at Anton Strawman. Uh, I just thought that would have been a perfect full circle if they would have brought him in on a cheap veteran deal. I don't know if it's – is did he, did he sign yet, Strawman? I don't think he signed anywhere yet, no. Because he was on a PTO somewhere. I can't remember which team, Boston maybe. Um, so it would be really interesting to see if they could, you know, pick up Strawman and kind of make right with what happened with that trade way back in the day. Um, but for now, I mean, if, if Sandin's going to play and he's good with Gio, I think it's a really good spot for him. Third pair, take the pressure off, you know, probably 16 or so minutes a night or whatever it is for the third pair. Um, and again, I just think that I I really hope that I should say that the Muzzin Hall pair comes back to light and uh, people start falling in love with how good that pair was. Because I think people really forget how much everybody really liked that pair uh, before everybody started, stopped liking that yeah. pair. Uh, <laughs> everyone liked it and then everyone hated it. So uh, if they're both healthy and, and ready to go, we know how efficient and good they can be together. So I'm fine with it, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see that uh, start of the season. Well, here's the thing, too, and, and Dylan, I'll let you answer this question in just a moment. You can elevate Giordano and Sandine to take some minutes off of Hall and Muzzin mm-hmm. as well to yeah. take that down, kind of load management some games or whatever you want to call it. But those things can happen as well. But, Dylan, what do you think of the Sandman before uh, before I throw a wrench in everybody's plan about Jake Muzzin? I mean, I think it was kind of comical that he was like, oh, yeah, I just needed to come save my boys. I mean, <laughs> you you had the offer. You knew that was the only offer that you were getting, and you came in and said he kind of had to say that, I think. Um, but regardless, Listen, he had a, a come-to-team moment <laughs> while he's foraging for mushrooms in the woods, okay? Exactly. Um, no, it's a, it's a great deal. This uh, I think this allows a lot of uh, – Friendly competition between him and Lilgren heading further into the season. We'll see what shapes up for, you know, that, that decor, but you know, maybe you take some ice time or load management for, you know, Muzzin or geo down the line or whatever. Um, you know, who, who knows, maybe Sandine uh, steps it up to the plate and uh, really becomes the guy that we've been hoping he becomes this entire time. Uh, 
him and Logan definitely have the potential to do so. Um, but we will see. Uh, it's a good little bridge deal for both of them. So we'll see in two years what uh, what they're really worth. I'll say this too about Sam and before we uh, move on to Muzzy. Um, he did beef up. He definitely he beefed did. up almost about 20 pounds of muscle, I believe it is. Um, so he is a lot heavier. And he was already devastating with that bump back check that he throws. So now he does have a little bit more meat to his frame. So I'm excited to see what he can do with that. 20 pounds ain't nothing to stub your nose at. 20 pounds of muscle is even better. So we'll see what he can do. Uh, we all know those weights are a little off. But, hey, if he's stronger and bigger and badder, I love it. I just want to see the Sandman throw that back check and knock people on their ass. I love it. Uh, my thing with Muzzin and Clark, you know I've been on this for a long time. Uh, I've talked to you on many lives the past couple of seasons about his back and his hip. And I always tell everybody, watch, when he goes to the face-off dot, he's always got his hand on his hip kind of rubbing. Now, he's saying this year that it's not an injury, but something he's been constantly dealing with for the last little while. So that would just lead credence to what I've been saying, that there obviously is something that's bothering him there. Not enough to not play, but enough that you might have to take that load management route and some nights limited hits minutes or... Some nights sit him out for Jordy Ben and allow him to just take a Saturday in November off or a Tuesday in February off because it's not that important of a game to you. But I've seen those things before, and to see this now in camp and him say it's not an injury, just something I'm dealing with. It's like, well, now what we've seen the past couple of years, if you holding your hip area, there's obviously something bothering you, but it's not an injury, I guess. It's just something that flares up here and there so yeah one I'm, thing i will i will add no sorry go ahead Dell. i i, I just want to say like that kind of concerns me for the purpose of like how uh brent seabrook ended his career and that that's the only thing i will say is that i really hope that you know he doesn't have something there that he's dealing with that significant but for his sake, I hope I hope he's good to go and he doesn't, you know, over push it um, because he is a very good asset come playoff time and just hope that he doesn't have to end his career earlier than he has to. Yeah, and I was just going to say that I think, uh, James, to your point about like Jordy Ben being such an important piece, um, I just think the team overall has had has added enough depth now that I think for the first time in a couple of years, that feels more of a possibility. Like he can take a night off. Yeah. Um, I think this started with Geo getting Geo and then keeping Geo, um, and just having having that guy who can play probably first pair if we need him to. Honestly, I say we. Uh, I don't like saying we. Uh, but if the <laughs> we Leafs, all get caught doing it, Clarky, I know we all do. If the if the Leafs need Mark Giordano to play first pair, I think he could do it. So like, I think for the first time in probably since Muzzin's been on the Leafs. Uh, they have more flexibility in their roster where, like right now, you know, Timothy Lilligren or, or Rasmus Sandin might be the odd guy out every night. So they could legitimately take Muzzin and say, listen, uh, Rasmus is playing in your spot tonight. You're sitting. Uh, listen, Gio's going to move up and, and Lily's going to get some pair, some minutes tonight. You're sitting. Um, and I just feel like uh, they haven't been able to do that for – quite some time so uh i think now is the year to do that i think they need to Kawhi leonard the situation and load management the crap and i know you said this in the summer we've talked about this 
um, load management the crap out of Jake Muzzin. I hope that he would be on board with that. I mean, I can't imagine. I think he would be. I mean, if you, be, you want to be healthy for the playoffs, man. That's where you want to play. Give him 50 games. Like, honestly, I don't think he needs more than that as long as he stays healthy. Uh, if he's healthy for 50 and healthy scratch for 30, I don't think that's a bad thing. <laughs> like, I think that's good, especially because they have players that can fill in for him. Uh, yeah. And I wouldn't feel bad about it. So I'm on board with that 100%. And um, I th- again, I think just for the first time in a long time, I feel more comfortable with like, if you think about the last couple of years, like, how how confident are you that you want to put Marty Marincin in that spot, or or even Carl Dahlstrom who just got hurt? And yeah, that sucks no, for him. I, no, 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 for me, dog. You know, uh, guys like uh, Christian Rubens, like those were the replacements the last few years. Now you got a guy who Victor Mete, who's an eighth defenseman, uh, who was paired up with Shea Weber for a couple of years. Like, I feel much better about him being your eighth defenseman yeah. than Marty Marincin. No, no offense yeah. to Marty, he had a solid career for what he was, but. Uh, you know, I, I feel better about it now than I have for a while. That's all I'll, think. I'll leave it there. No, Poor I agree Marty. with your story. I, I Poor can't Marty. get on Regina board. Pat's legend, I will say, Marty Marincin. <laughs> Listen, um, yeah, I fully agree with you. It's nice to finally actually have a little bit of, uh, I don't know, not just depth, but just even up front, defensive-minded forwards. You look at Zach Aston-Reese, who will oh. be signed by the Maple Leafs, and we'll talk about him. You look at Callie Yarncroke, you look at Kerfoot, all of these guys, Clark, you know, we've talked about this for a long time. Sheldon Keith has wanted a, a defensive line and forwards to be defensively responsible. Hello, putting Mitch Marner back there on D as well. But, oh, you know, God, don't get me started on that. <laughs> that's gonna happen. It's going to happen in game. It's going to be great. I'm going to love it. No, I think it's great. I just think the reaction to the Mitch Marner oh my God, was so a dumb. little ridiculous. <laughs> just calm down. It's, just, it's a merely, it's merely a thing that already happens six on five, yeah. you know, so. It's just running a hero line is all it is. But, yeah, I look at this and I say, yeah, you can load management Jake Muzzin. You can bring in. But we talked about this at last trade deadline. The Leafs needed minute munching, chop blocking, net front clearing defenseman. They got Jordy Ben. They got a guy who can skate who's a light replacement for, let's just say, Sandy and Lilligren, maybe a very light replacement for Morgan Riley and Victor Mete. So you have NHL caliber depth defensemen ready to come in which is something this team hasn't had. We have a competition for lines <laughs> on this team outside of the top six. Really haven't had much of that. It's been like, hey, out of necessity, these guys are our guys. But now it's – got to earn a spot. You know, get in here and show us what yeah. you can do. Well, you're not I, getting I'm just – I'm staring at David Alter's tweet from today, and I just – I'm loving it. But the Leafs now are in a position um, on – let's just – if we're just talking about the forward group for just a sec, where one of Simmons – Godette, Clifford, Malgin, Angval, or Robertson probably aren't going to be in the lineup on any given night. Those are the extra guys. Uh, and that's like all those guys. I mean, I mean, yeah, Godette's got like 100 games. Uh, Malgin's got 200 games. Simmons has got hundreds of games. Clifford's played hundreds of games. Um, you know, those guys are all going to be your rotational pieces now. And again, similar to the defense, the Leafs haven't really been in that position for the last while no. where they have guys with hundreds of games of experience just sitting on the bench or sitting in the press box or playing on the Marlies. Um, yeah. So I think, I think they're in a really good spot this year. Uh, now they're going to have to juggle the salary caps. So we're going to have to see how they manage all this. And that's why those guys get paid the big bucks. That's why they have an army of cap wizards available to them. The smart uh, guy told me that's out. why they know, right? They'll, they'll know what to do. 
uh, they'll figure it out. Uh, they have Can't the right raise. people to figure that out. Um, now, waivers might be an issue, of course. Uh, we've been bit by waivers lots in the last few years, so we'll see. But uh, as of right now, as it sits, um, as it sits right now, I they're in a really good spot for roster flexibility, and I'm kind of loving it at the moment. Well, it's nice to see that they have available options, period. Um, yeah. Before we jump into roster construction and some players I want to ask about and talk about, um, good news on a couple of injury fronts. The giraffe is skating. I know, Clark, you just had your stomach turn over there, but he looks to be factoring into the opening night lineup now for the Toronto Maple Leafs. If they so want to put him in, they can take the time with him because, again, we have the depth to do so. But another player that now may be opening night roster material is John Tavares progressing faster than they expected. And it's almost like some guy all summer was like, Hey, remember the drum that I was beating about the least medical staff and how it's top notch. Well, this is where it comes to fruition for guys when it comes to injuries and availability for having all of the different things you need, whether it's an MRI, a CAT scan, it doesn't matter at least have the money for it all and they use it to their advantage. So they have an army of doctors taking care of these guys and making sure that they are 100% ready to go. And this is bearing the fruit right here. John Tavares, not supposed to be back until the second week of the season, now may crack the opening night lineup if he feels good enough, Sheldon Keefe said. Cool. That's amazing, which is pretty awesome, which maybe John Tavares on a second line, third line, who knows, whatever they want to do. Robertson to me. Now we'll talk about guys that are going to be on this team. Robertson, to me, has done every single thing you can ask a player to do to get onto this team. He worked his ass off in the summer. He added 10 pounds of muscle. He's battling along the boards. He's not taking any crap in front of the net. He's getting feisty. He's got, what, seven points in four games in the preseason. He led the team in preseason scoring, I think. Yeah, he's kicking absolute tail. And it doesn't matter who you put him with either. I said this to Dylan last week. The Leafs were trying to see what he can do with other players outside of named commodities. And he still put up points. They did the same thing with Dennis Malgan. Didn't work out so well. So that was one plus for Nick Robertson. The problem that Nick Robertson has that works against him 100%, which is probably why he may not be on the opening night roster, is waivers. Yeah, He can be put down in the Marlies. And nobody can touch him because he's exempt from waivers. Dennis Malgin is not. Now, is anyone going to claim Dennis Malgin? I don't know. The way he's been playing in the preseason, some team may want to take a flyer on him. And just like you said, Clark, the Leafs are the most scavenged team when it comes to the waiver wire. They get cleaned up. Doesn't matter. Teams just take. You're not just saying that as a fan. Like it's it's like straight up facts. Like it's been proven. They've been claimed way more times. Um, on that. So that's not even a thing. That's a legitimate concern. Uh, I would love to see them leave Johnny at home for the first game because it's on the road, uh, and then start him at home on the second night, uh, for the home opener, give him the first night off. Cause I actually kind of want to see the lineup without him. Not that I don't want him in the lineup. I just want to see how some other guys play in that first game on the road. Uh, get their feet onto them. Like, for example, the line of practice today, Robertson, Nylander in the middle, and Malgin, the line of practice today. I would legitimately want to see that for a game and see how those guys play together uh, without a John Tavares there. Um, Engvall with Kerfoot and Yarncroke. I think that's a great third line. Now, 
I'm coming around on Engvall. I know you kind of threw me under the bus there earlier with the with the giraffe thing. I I get it. I've been really hard on the guy. He's growing on me a little bit. Uh, now he's growing into uh, the guy that I'm going to try to trade again because he makes too much money. So uh, yeah, he's probably I'm probably leaning towards that direction once again with that guy. Um, and I again with with Engvall specifically, I I said some names earlier. And I feel like he's in the rotational group. So if he's going to be making yeah. two point one, I think million dollars, and the Leafs are five hundred k over the cap, I'd rather keep Kerfoot. <laughs> like I think I want yes. him on the team. Yes. Um, so I'd I'd rather keep Justin Hall at this point. I think I'd rather keep a Jake Muzzin if he's going to be healthy. So I said this me, last time. becomes the guy again. So I, I'm just going to put that out there now. Pierre Engvall still my trade guy. Uh, <laughs> I'd rather. But if you him. don't hate and him anymore, you love him. I'm he's he grew on me during the playoff run. I will say that um, the way he was able to kind of step into a different role for the end of the season and for the playoffs, I I saw a different side of Pierre. And honestly, I I know this is kind of uh, a cop out, but like when the guy scores, it makes a lot more sense to have him in the lineup. But when he's not <laughs> scoring, he doesn't do anything at all. I feel like that's that was my original thought. If he's not scoring, he's a six foot five, non physical, non confrontational, non forechecking necessarily guy. <laughs> and then he then he became a penalty killer, and then he scored a couple of goals, and then he was putting on pressure late in games. And I'm like, hey, where did this guy come from? So he grew up <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Yeah, uh, he grew into his, so, grew to his frame. I don't know. I, I like what he he did there too. I, I I've never not yeah, liked yeah. him. So I'll I give him a little bit of credit, but he's still my guy. I would trade if I had to trade somebody. Yeah, he's, he's still my guy. I would trade. So there you go. Hundred percent. We're gonna get into that now, Dylan. Dylan, what do you think of hearing Wall before we jump off of this topic? I mean, I was beating the drum for longest time with the rest of Leafs Nation that you know Kirby's making too much. Let's just ship him out while we can. But it's to- it's totally shifted to Angval now. Like looking at the fact that we have two Swiss Army knives that can jump up and down that. Even the whole lineup, matter of fact, with Yarncroke and Kerfoot, to to think that those guys are so, so amazing during playoffs or any type of situation, those are the guys you need for a playoff run. So Angvall is the odd man. I I hate to say it. Yeah, Yeah, I just think there there are some nights, there are some nights where I'd rather have a $900,000 Wayne Simmons in the lineup. Like, there yeah. are some nights for that, and I don't think I want Wayne Simmons in 70 games out of 82, but I would take <laughs> Wayne Simmons for like 25 if it meant uh, if it meant Nick Robertson was won a spot. Uh, if Nick if Nick Robertson wins a spot, I just don't see how Engvall stays. It doesn't make sense to me for a 2.1 million dollar guy to to be a rotational piece. Um, yeah, no, and I think he can play somewhere else. Somebody will take a flyer on that guy. Like you can't tell me the Winnipeg Jets don't need a winger right now. Or that the Arizona Coyotes don't need another winger to play with Nick Ritchie or something like that. Like, there's teams that will take a Pierre Engvall. I love how you named two former Leafs there. Yeah. yeah Seriously. No. no, you know what? I, I agree with you. There is someone that would take Pierre Engvall in a heartbeat. Um, and he maybe gets a chance to play higher up in a lineup in an Arizona or somewhere else of that nature, right? Yeah. I mean, even Seattle, you know, ship them over there. You know, they had the rapport with the, the deal that already went down with Giordano and Blackwell. So maybe another deal can be struck there to ship them that way. Um, or that like leads just me to join talk- all the other Leafs on the Oilers or join all the other <laughs> Leafs on the, Senate, on the Senators. Like, 
there's probably teams that'll take the guy. I don't know. <laughs> there is, there is. And speaking of the centers, we'll get to them in a little bit. Um, Zach Aston Reese. Oh, this player to me has earned his spot as well. Scored a goal the other night, throwing hits, doing different things, bringing an intangible to Leafs lineup has not seen. And I'm not going to say that he's this player, but it's Darcy Tosker esque to me. The the mouth is going a mile a minute. The hits are there. Uh, he can play with the puck if he has to. And I mean, if you probably gave him a chance with good players, he probably can do good things. But that's the player he kind of reminds me of. And I'm sure he wouldn't be uh, opposed to dropping the mitts either if he had to. Um, Zach Aston Reese is going to be a part of this team, guys. Yes or no, Clark? Yes. Yes. Um, he was the guy I legitimately wanted them to sign him early in free agency, and they were able to get him on the go. So, I mean, he's a guy I wanted maybe even trade at the trade deadline, like a guy like that. So, I I've been hoping for this type of player for a while. Um, and I, again, just with him in the lineup, I just feel like there's so many more options because it allows certain guys to play higher up. It allows this is another interesting one that I'll just throw out there. And it's going to sound weird because it sounds like a demotion, but I don't think it is. It allows David Camp to play a fourth line role. Uh, and we all love David Camp. I know we've been talking about him. Uh, nothing but positives about that guy since we got him last year. Uh, but sometimes to me, it seemed like him as a third line center was a little bit of a non-fit in terms of not that the third line last year was bad. It was awesome. Yep. But I like the idea of having Kerfoot as that third line uh, kind of center, maybe, maybe shares the third line center role with Callie Yarncroke because left left shot, right shot, you yep. share center roles, and then you throw a Nick Robertson beside them. And all of a sudden, that's a speedy, pesky third line who is defensively responsible and can produce. Whereas when David Camp is on there, and no offense to David Camp, I love the guy, and he's the perfect fit for this team. I love how he fits on the team. But he's a he's an offensive kind of – he he's a – yeah, he's a he's a low event player. Like not a whole lot happens when he's on the ice, and that's important. Yes. Um, but if he can be the fourth line guy with two other guys that uh, have similar uh, ideologies, then all of a sudden you have a really, really, really effective and purposeful fourth line. Now I said this. Uh, I was talking to my buddy Joel Henderson, and on Twitter he's at that hockey dough. Uh, he's a scout, and we were talking about. Um, how we might be missing. Actually, I think one of the viewers on my live stream was saying how they're going to be missing Jason Spezza. And I said, I don't know if they will. Like, I, I, we all love Jason Spezza. But yeah. to me, him and Wayne Simmons were one of the most ineffective fourth lines in a while. Um, I love Jason Spezza. He, was, he did a lot for this team. He was an emotional leader. Uh, he, he really had the, the passion that yeah. we all talk about. Uh, so passion. I'm not saying anything bad, but with him as a centerman to a Wayne Simmons and Kyle Clifford or whoever it was, that line didn't, it didn't have a purpose. There was, they didn't, they didn't mesh. They played different styles. They didn't ever really do anything. And now we have a fourth line putting together here that we're going to see a pesky four checker, a pesky four checker and a defensive lockdown center. And all yeah. of a sudden, they have an, a purpose and a role and an identity again. And I feel like we haven't had a, a fourth line with an identity <laughs> since, like, well, Leo Komarov was at the time on he one of the best players on the team, so he wasn't even on the fourth line. But, like, he, we, since Leo Komarov was around, mean. you know what I mean? 
So I'm really hoping that um, that we do sign Zach Aston Reese. I would like gladly lock him up to like a three year deal if we if we could. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know he probably won't sign that, but like get him in here, put him on a line with Obey Kubel and Camp, and we would have such an effective fourth line that has a purpose every night. Go out and wreck the other team's nights, make them have a terrible time, and allow three other lines of offensive rolling to just come at you in waves. And all of a sudden, I love this lineup. <laughs> Every single night, it's going to be fantastic. I just think it's <laughs> great. We need a fourth line with a purpose. We do. That's it. Then we talked about the third line needing to be purposeful last year. Keith wanting something defensively responsible. This will allow that to be there tenfold. You'll have a you know Swiss Army kind of line that can score. I wouldn't have Robertson on the, the, uh, the third line, but that's just me. I'd have well, I'm just second. thinking, depending on how Dennis Malgan fits in, Pierre Engvall yeah. fits in, how that all works out. Maybe Robertson moves up and Engvall's on that line with Kerfoot. Either way, like I said, we have options. So there's, there's Yeah, we have lots there. of options, which is nice. Um, the other option here, too, is the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs goaltending tandem looking pretty good in preseason. I love the fact that Edmonton fans say, hey, did you see what Jack Campbell did? Matt Murray can't do that when he literally did it two hours before Jack did with exactly. the highlights reel. Glove save. I love it. I loved all the chirps. Um, but the weird, I wouldn't say weird, the different thing the Leafs are doing with Curtis Sanford is he has the goalies wearing these goggles that kind of restrict the peripherals and make you focus dead on to what's in front of you, which is pretty damn cool. Uh, apparently, it's been around for a little while, but Matt Murray said that he likes it. He likes how it makes him focus to where he needs to be. Um, I want to get your guys' thoughts, A, on these goggles. I think that's great. If it's allowing them to zone in and be where they need to be, that's what they need. But also, at the same time, both of these goaltenders are looking pretty good. I know it's preseason, but I always am a big guy. And Clark and Dylan, you know I say this a lot. Making big saves at big times is something the least lack with Freddie at times with Jack. And it seemed like so far, I know small sample size, but Ilya Samsonov and Mr. Matt Murray have the ability to make those big saves when the Leafs need them. When the momentum's going against them, the saves were there. So, Dylan, I'll get you to go first. What do you think of these goggles? What do you think of the tandem thus far as we've seen? Goggles? Beautiful. I, 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 I'm not a goalie, so, like, I can't, I can't. I don't know the whole, you know, system of them, but if in my eyes, like you're focused, you're hyper-focusing on the puck rather than like using every other angle of your eyeball. So I, I think this is a great training mechanism to, you know, maybe, maybe this is something that both these goalies were missing from their game. Who knows? It uh, looks like a great technique. Looks like the technique is, is working. Tandem. It looks like they're having a very healthy competition in net here. Um, basically, anything you can do, I can do better almost. Um, these these boys look huge in net. I know Jack is, I think, the same same size as Samsonov. But Murray, it looks like he's like three times the size of his actual size when he has all the equipment on, which I, I, I know that. Yeah, he's huge. I know that some of the guys were like, oh, like, what did you notice about Matt Murray coming into camp? And all the guys were like, 
He's huge. Like, well, yeah, and like the fact that he's six five, he's like a sneaky six five. Like, is. I didn't even, I yeah. don't even know if I knew that he was six five. Honestly, no, uh, I, I he's a big that. boy. Yeah, I looked at that and I was just like, "You're six foot five. Like, you're the, you're the slenderest six foot five man I've ever seen, almost in a sense." But uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's looking good. Um, I made, I made a joke saying that he's in mid mid season form. I know he's not, but. Uh, He's looking great. I hope he is. That'd be great. <laughs> this is a guy. Well, I don't want it to like wear out is my, my point. Yeah. Um, but he looks confident and that's all that I ask for from him. Yeah. Right, Clark, um, what do you think of this tandem? Obviously, again, everyone who listens to this, I know it's early, but we need takeaways from what these guys can do. And right now it seems like they are doing yeah, first off, just on those goggles, I just want to say one thing. So uh, a couple of years ago, my buddy Chris here in town runs a baseball training facility. And in baseball, they're doing a very similar thing uh, with these goggles. But these goggles have a little technology in them that actually, like, blinds you for, like, it's like little shutters. Um, now, I don't know if these are the same goggles that the boys are using. It sounds like they're just kind of blocking uh, their peripherals more than anything. But what these goggles tend to train you to do, and I'll just maybe compare the two, is like if you're hitting a ball and you can only see like this um all of a sudden your instincts kind of take over and what you're doing is you're training your instincts to kind of take over when your eyes aren't helping you or you can't fully see uh so if a ball is coming at you and then all of a sudden it shuts on you you just have to kind of trust in where your hand-eye coordination is and then hit the ball so in the same sense uh these guys are training their eyes to be doing the bulk of the work and then when they take those goggles off all of a sudden their eyes are basically working better uh, and they're able to, to use their instincts more, but also um, that focus that they didn't have while training is already is now there. So they're that much better because they have that much more availability to them. So that's just one thing. Those goggles are really, really effective. And I'm wondering if they are using the shutter ones or if they're just using the peripheral ones, but Either way, I think it's a great thing for them. It's a really cool training tool. In terms of the tandem themselves, uh, what have we seen from Murray this preseason? We have seen uh, what looks to be a confident Matt Murray. What did we see in that game uh, the other night where he got the full game is we saw a guy who was stopping two-on-ones. He was stopping breakaways. He was stopping cross-seam, cross, cross seam, like cross-ice one-timers. Oh, uh, he was stopping in close he was stopping long shots he had a little bit of everything going on and i don't know why but it seemed like the sports net pack was like all highlights oh hold on got the dog coming in here um <laughs> uh we had like all highlights um it seemed like a lot of the highlights was goalie highlights a lot of yep. the highlights were goalie highlights so okay we got guys just time out guys Yep. We got to get the dog out of here, okay? <laughs> we got to get the dog out of here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is okay. the, uh, the magic of live, right? <laughs> give me Clark. give me a minute, guys. All right, so yeah, what Clark was talking about there, yeah, I 100% get what he's saying. The highlight pack from Sportsnet was a lot of Matt Murray. Yep. And I mean, obviously, you want a confident, ready-to-rock-and-roll Matt Murray. Um, you watch what he does and what he did between the pipes. For the least, that's what we need. That's what you want to see. And that's what I told you. You want this guy to come in healthy, happy, excited, and you need him to feel the puck, and he was. He was doing great, which is absolutely awesome. Uh, Clark, I was just picking yeah, you up. You on that. Where... that was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you wanted to feel confident, and that's what that was. It was yeah. a, definitely a boost of confidence to see 
hey, you know, the fans aren't ragging on you. And I'll say this right now to anyone who's ragging on the Leafs goaltender in tandem before the season even starts, buckle up because it's going to be some damn fun. Because I think both of these guys are highly motivated to be here with the Leafs and both want to show A, one, that I still got it, and B, that yeah, I can be a number one somewhere in Samsonov. That's his mind. So both of these yeah. guys are going to play lights out. Get ready. And just so just to up. wrap it up too, if, if you give me just one more minute on this. Um, so we've seen the confidence. Uh, and the thing about the preseason is that it, it seems like everybody wants to downplay positives and over, over exaggerate negatives. So it's hilarious because um, I, I saw a great example of this in – uh, somebody said uh, something about the fact that Leaf fans were like pleased with Murray's performance. And it was an Oilers. I, I hate to pick on Oilers fans, but it was an Oilers fan. Yeah. And they said, uh, Leaf fans planning the parade after Matt Murray has one okay preseason game is like hilariously classic Leaf fans. And then turn around in the next tweet saying, Jack Campbell's going to be a Vesna winner with the way he's playing in this preseason game. Lock it in now. Jack Campbell wins the Vesna. And I was like, that's so, that's so hypocritical. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like it's the definition of hypocritical. Uh, but uh, to me, a lot of people ask, like I was live streaming a couple of the preseason games. A lot of people ask like, why do you watch preseason games? How can you watch preseason? I don't like watching preseason and like hoping that a team wins. It's not about that. Oh, it's about no. seeing, seeing certain players. Have they progressed? Do they look confident? Are they yeah. shaky? And to me, all I saw out of Matt Murray was, this is our starting goalie for game one. And what I saw from Samsonov is this is a great one B and yes. until it, they show me otherwise, it just gives us a little bit more confidence as a fan base. So that's all I wanted to say. Exactly. No, I a hundred percent agree with you hundred percent. And I've been on board with this tandem for when it happened, when they brought in Murray before the Samsonov deal happened. Um, I really think there's a lot of positives and things that they can help him with. And they spoke to it on the broadcast as well, talking about the Leafs coaching staff. And again, the doctors and everyone that they have available for Matt Murray to work with that he did not have. And here's the big one. And we talked to John Trache about this and chirp him over text about it the other night when Matt Murray shined. The Leafs have goal support where it did not happen in Ottawa. Ottawa needed goal scorers. I know this offseason they went out and addressed that, but Matt Murray didn't have it there. So now the Leafs have that. So if Matt Murray has a bad night, hey, the Leafs can still goal score you five or six and bail you out so it doesn't turn into a huge negative cloud over his head. So those are other positives as well. Go ahead, Dilly. I will add one thing. I, I listened to the interview with Murray after the game, and that man looked ecstatic to be in Toronto, and he absolutely like just looked at peace that like everything is finally turning around for him. And to see that means so much that he's like, he's like, okay, I made the right decision to come here. I'm going to put my best foot forward. I love the guys that, you know, the the management that has brought me here. I love everybody that's working with me. I'm going to do my best. Uh, basically is what he was saying by his emotions. So it looks good. I don't have too high hopes yet. Obviously, everything has to play out. But great one, two, tandem. I like it. Listen, guys, I'll, I'll leave the uh, the goalie situation at this. Every year, a team looks for a story to rally around and bring them through as a rallying point throughout the season. 
Matt Murray can be that for the Maple Leafs this year, bringing his season back to where it needs to be, bringing his play back and dragging his teammates with him. As they go, he goes. As he goes, they go. That is a great story. And it's great for the Maple Leafs. And, you know, the whole story with his father as well. Those are things that a team and a group will rally around him for. So hopefully for Matt Murray and this team, that is a story that picks up steam. And that is the positivity that comes out of this season. Will there be ups? Will there be downs? Yes. But show me a team that doesn't have those throughout the year. Hopefully this year, though, the down does not come in round one for the Maple Leafs. But, hey, we'll move off the goalies. i got a couple things around the NHL I want to ask Clark and Dylan about. To bring Cat and the Ottawa Senators. So it appears, hello, Weeksy. I see you saying that there may be a deal to be had here with the bring Cat. Weird because the bring Cat said he wanted to see the, please, the season play out, but now there may be an extension there. Maybe he likes what he's seeing. The other thing, too, is from what I'm hearing, is that the bring Cat extension will be followed by a chicken trade. It seems the two things are going hand in hand. We all know that Ottawa needs defense. You sign and lock up the Brinkat. You use some of your draft capital and players that you've developed that won't make the roster, and you ship them over to Arizona. And all of a sudden, the Ottawa Senators have some good core pieces signed, bring over a good defenseman to play with Shabbat, and all of a sudden, if Talbot comes back from his injury – and looks good, the Ottawa Senators could be barking on a playoff spot, to be honest with you. I want to ask you, Clark, what do you think of this uptick Ottawa Senators? Because they are no longer the pesky Sens. They are the Sens that are not only signing guys, but retaining homegrown talent, which is something they usually don't do. And now they're getting guys to re-up as well. You look at Giroux came in on a UFA, but you're also getting guys to stay and stick around. And then if you pull the trigger on that Chikrin deal, Ottawa's looking pretty damn good, if you ask me. Yeah, they they I think they really need a guy like Jacob Chikrin. I, I feel like their blue line's a little bit not ready. Like, I think they made some good moves on the forward group. Um, Cam Talbot being out as long as he's out to start the season really hurts, I think. Um, I know they were really – I think they were really going to rely on him. Yep. He's not there. Uh, so they have to go with Anton Forsberg and – I don't know who their four or their third guy would be right now. I know they have a couple of younger guys. Mad Sogard is one of their guys. I think they really like him. He's great. I saw him in Medicine Hat in the WHL. He's like a monster. Uh, he's crazy huge. Um, so maybe a guy like him. I know they have Marilainen, who I think was with Team Finland, uh, and they have a couple of other guys. So they'll they'll be fine, I think. But um, I think right now with their defensive group, I'm not really ready to like say that they're gonna take anybody's playoff spot quite yet um i think the forward group is still pretty young i know i love the pieces that they have coming up they've done a great job doing that i love that the ownership group is yeah i sanders fair enough but he's also young like i don't think anyone's um ready to anoint him like the second coming of eric carlson quite yet um but if you ask certain people they probably will uh but but (laughs) not me but i've 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 heard it I know, I, uh, I have a feeling that uh, I'm going to say that they're a little overhyped at the moment um, just because uh, everybody's been super high on Pierre Dorian's offseason and he can he can do no wrong this offseason because he finally can spend money and 
they're giving all this money to Josh Norris and they're giving all this money now to Debrinket and they're, they're doing all these things. Um, but we'll see. I'm, I'm very curious. I love the direction that they're going. Uh, I think they're definitely going to make a, a marked improvement from last year, but I still don't think that they're quite at that level yet personally. Um, I will say this, if they can get off to a hot start and maybe surprise some people early, they might have a chance to get to a point where they're in a position to battle with Boston, who might get off to a slow start given their injury status at the moment. Taylor Hall's injury status. Uh, Marchand is out for a few months. McAvoy is out for a few months. Krejci just came off of a year he played in the Czech Republic. Who knows where he's at? Bergeron's on the brink of retiring. So they are in a situation where if they can surprise and maybe like get a bit of a stranglehold on Boston and then Boston starts feeling the pressure this year, that's where I could see them maybe getting to the level that we all, that Sens fans specifically think that they can get to. If they can get a Jacob Tricker and I feel a lot more confident about it, but at the moment uh, when Nikita Zaitsev is your second defenseman, scares me a little bit, (laughs) scares me. I will tell you right now, 100%, this is my gut feeling. Buckle up. The Boston Bruins are not making the playoffs. I can totally see that. I've made a hot take video saying that, so I'm on the record saying that. But I know I, I know you are. I know you yeah. are. There's a lot of people that, for whatever reason, they will not count on the Boston Bruins. Guys, they're aged. They're aged. Christy wasn't in the NHL last year. Charlie McAvoy's out. Brad Marshan's out. you got Linus Allmark in the net, who's going to be – looking at a revamp D as well. So you look at what the Boston Bruins have. It's not what they've had. So I'm looking at this. And then you got the dark cloud. We all know what dark clouds do to teams. It may not be media covered, but the Pasternak contract saga thing, that will be a thing. That does hang over a team. We watched it happen with the Maple Leafs and Nylander. We watched it happen with Mitch Marner. We watched it happen time and time again with whoever you want the media to hype up here in Toronto that has a deal that's expiring in 20 years that may be a problem. you know. But the Boston Bruins, to me, are not a team that's making the playoffs. Don't care. I think Ottawa's going to creep up. I bring this into the conversation because Greg Wyshynski needed some clicks the other day. Must have. Must have been a slow day, Greg, because you made an article – and you said most likely to fall out of the playoffs in the Atlantic. And your first team, a few paragraphs down, was the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the team taking them over, no, no, it's not Ottawa. It's the Detroit Red Wings knocking the Leafs out of the playoffs. I'm sorry to say the Leafs are not falling out of the playoffs. They're just no. not. It's, I, they have I'll, to I'll say one thing. It's problems. Is a lot of there's all this hype, like I said earlier about the Sens. I personally think the Detroit Red Wings had a better offseason than the Senators. Ooh, okay, okay. Like I, like I think that with adding David Perron, Andrew Kopp, uh, they added Billy some defensemen. They they added Billy Huso. Like I think they rounded out their roster a lot more and filled in a lot of holes. And I think they were already at that level with Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider and Dylan Larkin getting back to himself. Bertuzzi, Jacob Verana, like Bertuzzi. Like I think they were already at a pretty good spot at least on par. And I think they added some really impactful pieces that are, I think their lineup is going to be better than some people are maybe realizing at the moment. Like I really, I really think Detroit took a big step this off season. So like, I'll be, I'm on team. I think Detroit's better than Ottawa. That's the team I'm on. 
I like yeah. it. Hot take, hot take. Spicy, yeah. spicy, I don't know spicy. if it is a hot take. No. The goaltending would be a problem for both it. teams. The goaltending yeah. in defense in Detroit is probably better. I would say I like Detroit's goaltending better. Like, I think. 1A, 1B type thing. We'll see what Ruffield does, though, without stalwarts in front of him. Okay, fair enough. But I just, I don't think, like, with Cam Talbot already out for six weeks or whatever he's out for, yeah. I'm not a big yeah, – like, I think Anton Forsberg was – a like, I, I want to say he was in that flash in the pan. Like, I, I'm a little skeptical of him because he's a journeyman his whole career and then he comes in and has 30 good games and all of a sudden he's, like, a reliable starting goaltender. Where did where was that with Jack Campbell? Like, why was everyone bashing Jack Campbell? Yeah. He came in and had a really good 30 games with the Leafs. He wasn't good enough. So why all of a sudden is Anton Forsberg good enough? Uh, same situation. And now Cam Talbot's hurt, so they're relying more on Forsberg. Whereas I think you got two 26, 27-year-old goalies that are ready to take a leap. Yeah. Uso and Nadelkovic can play off of each other. I, I, I like Detroit better than Ottawa. Like, all facets. <laughs> all facets. All right, all right, all right. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the other thing I want to talk about before we jump off of Clark here and round this show out is uh, we are, all three of us, in a fantasy hockey league called Fantalk. Uh, 16 awesome TikTokers going head-to-head all season long. Um, our league does start this weekend. Go check out the video over on the 6 and 6 page. You'll be able to see all of the different teams that are available in there, and you can see everyone going head-to-head. I'm going to be doing a chirp every single week against who I'm playing. Mario, I'm doing the Goldberg right now. You're next. So you're the first one. You're going down. It's over. I have no one playing this weekend, but that's okay. There's a long, 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 long slog for the season. But, guys, this is going to be fun. Yes. I'm pretty pumped up for it. Um, I don't know what you guys are going to be doing, but I plan on doing something every Sunday night for our league, just touching on what's happening uh, score-wise. And then, of course, doing fun videos every week against who I'm playing. And uh, I'm definitely going to be chirping. You talked about the person earlier who did not set their lines before we came on here. That will not be a thing in this league because I hope everyone gets on everyone's ass to make sure guys are not intentionally benched and teams are playing every night. So if someone's doing that, I hope we all just drill them and drag them on TikTok. So that way everybody can see that this guy's just chintzing out, or gal for that matter, on the league. But what do you guys Dale, think? You, you guys excited or what? This is going to be fun. Well, Dale, well did you my, see who your first week matchup is? I was just going to say, my first week <laughs> opponent is Clarky here. So where, where's the chirping, boys? Where's the chirping? I don't need no chirping. So what is, what is the first week in this league? Is it like... Where it goes from this weekend all the way to the next. So it goes from Saturday so, to, to Sunday. So these two games plus all next week? Yeah. Okay, yeah. That makes sense. Happens when like, like the all-star break and stuff too. It'll extend yeah. a week just so everybody knows when you watch. So, guys, if you are watching this video or you're listening to this podcast, make sure you get over to TikTok or whatever social media you want to find it on and support one of these teams. Have fun. Pump it up. It's It's what it's all about. Um, there may be a trade coming down here in just a couple of moments where William Nylander will be part of the uh, A Saint Destroyer. It is happening. Pretty pumped up about I that. I just had I just had a proposal wow. too. What's that? I said I just had a proposal, but I declined it. Ooh. Well, I really out a couple the, of, uh, the unsigned Mason Robertson's going over. I I uh, I sent out a couple of what I call conversation starters that got leaked mm-hmm. into our group chat. 
because people thought they were ridiculous and maybe they were ridiculous but like i said they're conversation starters they're starting that's points. what i say and, and people all just all of a sudden are throwing me under the bus on our group chat i don't know i don't like it i think this is this bad hey, business bad hey business. just just don't make any moves the first week and we're good yeah right. Yeah, I yeah, make yeah, all yeah. my best moves in the first week. That's when I make my moves. <laughs> yeah. That's when, that's when I make my moves. Matthews. Yeah, exactly. Matthews. I made my moves last year with James in his league, where I got yeah. Matthews and McDavid in the first round. So I I love making early what? moves. Oh yeah. <laughs> you did. How do you money. manage this? Did you pay them under the table? No, no. Hey, listen. I'll tell you. Adam Fox, Kirill Kaprizov, and yeah, it paid off. Braden it Boyd. paid off for James. And who? Yeah. It was Adam Fox, Kirill Kaprizov, and Braden Point ended up being the picks that I got to give up Austin Matthews. And we all know what Kirill did. We all know what Adam yeah. Fox did. We all know what Braden Point did. So I made it pretty well. I made the playoffs. Clark didn't. It paid off because um, the rest of my team just couldn't get it going all year. So I had two great players and then nothing else allegedly. So <laughs> it didn't work out. But we'll see. This year is a different year. We'll see. That's it. That's it. It's going to be fun, guys. So go check out Fan Talk uh, over on TikTok. Make sure you check out all the great TikTokers, 16 awesome folks uh, in the league uh, right here. This is Offside Hockey Talk. We'll talk about it every single week. But, hey, it's Offside Hockey Talk where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk. <laughs>